Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, we've been in a series called Revive. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. We've been talking about what it looks like to be a church and individuals who are fit for revival, fit for a move of the Holy Spirit, to recognize and to capitalize on a move of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said this um, somewhere in the Bible, somewhere in the Gospels. He said, the person who, who has their hand to the plow and looks behind is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. Okay? We want to be fit for service in the kingdom of God. We want to be revival fit, recognize and capitalize when the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives. Um, today, um, I don't normally preach like this, but today we're going to read Matthew uh, 16, 13 through 18, and uh, we're going to kind of just pick this apart a little bit. I don't normally kind of do that. I'm usually kind of the topical guy that jumps all over the place, but we're going to do that today. So let's read uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 18. It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They, repl- uh, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, but what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus said that the church would prevail over the powers of darkness. Amen? The title of our message today is called The Victorious Church. The Victorious Church, the Victorious Bride, the Overcoming Bride. What does it look like for us to be the Victorious Overcoming Bride here on earth in this world? When the world seems like It's getting darker and darker, and there's an inevitable downward slide. You need to know that the church of the living God will prevail, can and will prevail. Amen? We are in this world, but not of this world. We are aliens and strangers of this world. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The church of God will prevail over the powers of darkness. All right, let's look at this. Let's break this down. Matthew 16, verse 13, it says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? I find it very interesting that Jesus chose Caesarea Philippi, of all places, to ask his disciples this question. This was getting towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He was nearing uh, the cross. He was coming close to um, the cross. And Caesarea Philippi is the place where he chose to reveal his true identity to his disciples. This is one of the most, uh, uh, one of the northernmost points that Jesus reached in all of his ministry. Caesarea Philippi was an ancient Roman city located in the northwestern base of Mount Hermon and is what is today the region of the Golan Heights. Um, Those of you coming with me to Israel, this is one of the places we're going to go, Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was not a cozy weekend getaway place for nice Jewish boys from the region of Galilee to go visit. It's interesting that Jesus brought him here 
Caesarea Philippi was the center of demonic worship and demonic sacrifice and detestable practices that were happening. Notice that Jesus didn't take the disciples to Jerusalem. That was the center of religious activity for the Jews at the time. Jesus didn't take them to the nice place, the temple, where Jesus said, this is my father's house. He didn't take them there. He took them to this place where demon worship was happening and sacrifices were being offered to demon gods, demon false gods. <clears throat> Jesus took them to the center of pagan worship to reveal his true identity. Um, just to help contextualize this, I have a quick video that we're going to play about Caesarea Philippi. Go ahead and roll that video. In addition to magnificent Roman structures, Caesarea Philippi is also known for Banias, a collection of springs, and pagan worship sites linked to the cult of Pan. Pan, also called the goat god, was the Greco-Roman god of nature, livestock, and hunting. All things related to wild times, party music, and of course, fertility. Pan was the crazy looking guy with the hindquarters, legs, and horns of a goat. The centerpiece of this ancient worship site is this huge cliff and grotto containing the remains of numerous altars, caves, temples, and courtyards. This whole area was teeming with Roman mythology and idolatry. It was right here where Jesus, nearing the end of his ministry, asked his disciples one profound question, who do you say that I am? Many have taken a figurative approach to the gates of hell, but quite literally Caesarea Philippi was viewed at that time as the gates of hell. That, that mouth of the cave that you, that you can see there, uh, that's ancient, of course, what it looked like in the ancient time. The mouth of the cave there was a place where the, the headwaters of the Jordan, the Banyas River, which eventually flowed into the Jordan River, flowed out of the mouth of this cave. And it was in that place that they offered sacrifices to the false god of Pan. What they would do is they would take live animals and throw them into the mouth of the cave uh, to sacrifice for the false god Pan. Quite literally, Jesus stood at the site of demon worship which represented the systems and the structures of this fallen world and asked his disciples this question. He took them to the worst place possible to ask his disciples this question. Why? Why did he take them there? Why not Jerusalem? This is why I think he did it. He took them to the worst of the worst places because he wanted them to know that what they carried would, would withstand the pressures, the pleasures of, of this world's fallen systems and structures. And listen, it's the same with you and me today. It's the same with you and me. It'd be like today if I took you to the brothels of Thailand where children are sex trafficked, where the major financial epicenters where the god of money is worshipped, or if I took you to countries where it's illegal and punishable to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus took them to this place to reveal to them that what they had could withstand the pressures of the world around them. Later on, Jesus, of course, would send his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? And he needed them to know that where, where they went, what they carried within them was enough, and it was powerful enough to overcome. The gates of hell would not prevail against them. It's the same with you and me today. What we carry is powerful enough to go into dark places and to turn the world upside down. 
Amen? Come on. Verse 15, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? By the way, this is the most important question you will ever answer. Perhaps also the most important question you will ever ask any other person. Who do you say that Jesus is? No other question will take precedence over this question, and everyone will give an account for how they answer this question. By the way, at the end of the service, we're going to make an appeal. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, never placed your faith and hope in him, you will be able to do that. Everyone will give an account for how they answer that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Simon Peter answered, verse 16, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's the right answer, by the way. Verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Jesus said, Peter, the natural realm did not reveal this to you, but it came from the supernatural realm, from my Father in heaven. This is also the same with you and me. Look at what Paul said to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 12, 2 through 3. He says this to that church. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit of God. All right, here's my point. It takes God to reveal God, and it takes God to know God. It takes God to know God and to fall in love with him and have a relationship with him. Jesus said, Peter, you didn't come up with this one on your own. This one's... This one's too big for you, okay? This one was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Listen, I can, I can say up here, Jesus is Lord. He's the God of glory. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. But it actually, hopefully, God takes my words and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit reveals them to your heart. It takes God to know God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but, my, but by my Father in heaven. Verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I just want to point out a couple things about this verse. First of all, let's look at the word church here. When Jesus uses the word church, he's not talking about a structure with four walls, a building with four walls, okay? Um, thank God for buildings. I like air conditioning. I like heating, and I'm really thankful that we're in this building. Thank you, Adventures, for renting to us. By the way, on that note, uh, we have over $400,000 saved for a building, so appreciate you guys giving, and just want to encourage you, in addition to your tithes and offerings, if you want to give towards our building fund, that would be amazing. My wife and I do that. We, we tithe, but then we give above and beyond that. So buildings are good, but he's not talking about buildings. He's talking about a people. It's the word ecclesia. It's from two words. Out, um, two words, ek, out from and to, and kaleo, to call, means this. People called out from the world to God. The outcome of being the church, the mystical body of Christ, i.e. the universal total body of believers whom God calls out from the world into his eternal kingdom. Jesus said it is a body of believers called out of the world by God that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Not buildings. Here's the point I want to make about this. Guys, you don't go to church. You are the church. You don't come once on Sunday 
and then go other places, you know, all, every day of the week. Listen, you are the church, 24-7, 365. We're open on Sunday, unlike Chick-fil-A, and every other day, okay? All right? You are the church. Uh, so many times, I think, when we think about revival and we think about, like, there's a glory portal we want to open up. And, and yes, God certainly, I've preached about this many times. God shows up in a special way when we gather like this. This is really important. In fact, last week I did a message called The Power of Hour. That it's in the assembly that he shows up in a special way. That he doesn't necessarily show up by yourself. But I also want to say this. You carry the presence of God with you. God lives in your heart. There's a glory portal everywhere you go because you're the glory portal. So you are the church everywhere you go. You are God's ecclesia, his ones who were called out of this world into his glorious light everywhere you go. You need to remember that. City Lights Church, we believe we are called to shine and be the lights in our city. That's really our, our, our mission and our goal is not just to get people in the building to have a good church. It's to empower you so that you go back out into your world and your family and your businesses and shine the love of Jesus everywhere you go. You don't go to church. You are the church. Amen? Now, let's look at this, this word, the rock. rock. Verse, uh, verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, gates of Hades, will not overcome it. Jesus uses, this is interesting, he used the word rock twice in this verse. Okay, once for Peter, to identify Peter, one of the apostles. You are Peter, which means rock. And then he uses, but on this rock I will build my church. So he uses two different words here in the Greek. The first one for Peter is petros. Everyone say petros. Which means a stone or a pebble such as a small rock found along the pathway. Okay, that's Peter. Peter, you're a rock. Awesome. I want to be a rock, don't you? But listen, it's kind of hard to build something huge upon a, a pebble or a rock, right? If you're going to build something, you need a larger structure to build something on. But Jesus says, on this rock, which is Petra, everyone say Petra, which is a huge massive rock or a boulder such as a projecting cliff. Okay, so notice, Peter, you're a rock, but on this rock I will build my church. There's an interesting word play here. Jesus says that Peter is a rock, and Peter certainly played a crucial role in the formation of the early church. But it's actually Christ, or rather the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that is the foundation of the New Testament ecclesia. The foundation is Christ and the, and the faith and the trust in him, that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That is the foundation for the New Testament church that overcomes the powers of darkness. It's so simple and so profound that our faith boils down to one statement. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. Everything hinges on that. Listen. Every victory we win is rooted in that foundation, and every attack of the enemy ultimately wants to undermine your confidence in that foundation. Le Leslie mentioned, uh, maybe some of you are having crazy weeks, and uh, you know, hell's coming against you. Listen, that's because the enemy of your soul doesn't want you stepping into the good things that God has for you. And all those attacks ultimately are to undermine your faith and confidence in that foundation of Jesus. But every victory we win on the other side of that is because of our faith and confidence in the foundation of Jesus. This isn't in my notes, but I, I want to read this. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 19. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but, 
but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The foundation is Jesus. You and I are the living stones. We're being built together to become a dwelling that God lives by his spirit. We are the ecclesia. And so is the church down the street and the church around the world, the ecclesia, the ones called out by God into his glorious light. <clears throat> but here's what I believe Jesus was doing here in Caesarea Philippi. Go ahead and put up that uh, second picture. Um, I took this picture in 2015 when I was in Israel. This is the place where Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. I believe what Jesus was doing, he says, on this rock, the revelation, he's pointing to himself, on this rock, the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, I will build my ecclesia. And here he is with this false worship of, of Pan happening behind him. And I believe what he did is he says, oh, and by the way, that rock, pointing back to the temple of Pan and to the cliff, which represents the powers of darkness and the systems and the structures of this fallen world. By the way, that rock will not prevail against you. Amen? He says, you think that's a rock? That's not a rock. This is a rock. That's not a knife. This is a knife. This one's for you, Greg. Go ahead and, go ahead and roll that video real quick. You got a light, buddy? Yeah, sure, kid. There you go. And your wallet. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. <laughs> what if we were that confident? The world comes at us. I've got a knife. This, Satan's attacking me. What if we're like, that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> Faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That knife is bigger than the enemy's knife. Amen? Jesus said, now I'm the bedrock pointing to himself. You think the powers of darkness will prevail? No, I'm powerful. Amen? Acts chapter 1 verses 8 says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These disciples needed to know that the places he was sending them, they had the power to prevail over the powers of darkness. Wherever you go, the powers of darkness will not overcome you. Maybe it's sin. Listen, maybe some of you have a, a struggle with sin. Listen, the gates of hell shall not prevail over you. You have the power over sin. Amen? We think... We think we like have to say, listen, sometimes we stumble along the way, but sin is not supposed to be our master. Amen? You have the power to prevail over sin. You have the power to prevail over the wisdom of this age. Amen? The wisdom of this age. You know, in the book of Genesis, when God was pronouncing blessings over Abraham, he says, you will possess the gates of your enemies. You will, you will possess the gates of your enemies. The gates were the places, by the way, where the wise people, the elders gathered, where decrees were made, where war was declared, the wisdom of a city was found at the city gates. 
But listen, there is a, there's a wisdom of this age and a wisdom of this world. But Jesus says, you will possess the gates of your enemies. There's a wisdom from heaven that is superior to the wisdom of this world. Amen? Come on. Maybe you're struggling with doubt. Listen, the gates of hell shall not prevail against, against you. I'll conclude with this. At Caesarea Philippi, they made their sacrifices to Pan. They would throw these live animals into the mouth of the cave. And when they threw these animals in, they had to wait and see if Pan would receive their sacrifice. And how did they know if Pan received their sacrifice? They waited, and as they waited, there was this very stressful moment. This very stressful moment. The water's flowing out of the cave. If the water, if they threw the animal in and the water continued to flow clean, then it was a sure sign. Pan had received my offering and I can go about my, go about my business. But if the water flowed out bloody and dirty from the animal that was thrown in, it was a sign that Pan had not received their offering and they had to keep trying. They had to keep throwing in. But that interval of time when the priest threw the animal in was a very stressful moment of time. This is interesting. Did you know that the English words, the roots of the English words panic, pandemonium, come from the same root as the word pan? Fear has its root. The word, fear, the word panic has its root in, in the false god of pan. It's worth mentioning that Jesus was saying the powers of panic, the powers of pandemonium or chaos will not prevail over the children of God. And then I stumbled upon this yesterday. This is so, this is crazy. I'll give you one more, one more word. Pandemic. The word word pandemic, its root goes back to the word pan. The false god of pan. Church, we don't serve the god of panic. We don't serve the god of fear. Amen? Here's what I believe Jesus was saying. Come what may, panic, pandemonium, a pandemic, the gates of hell will not overcome you, church. The one, has, the one who has their feet set solid on Jesus will not be overcome by the powers of darkness. Jesus stood in the place where Pan was feared. Pan was the god of fear, pandemonium. It was, it was said that many people would literally flee in fear. I love that Greg went after this in worship, the spirit of fear. Like, that's, that's a demonic spirit that was being worshipped back then. And it was manifesting. People literally flee from this God of fear. Okay? We don't serve a God of fear. We don't serve the God of pan. We don't serve the God of pandemonium, pandemic, pantheism, or pandemic. Amen? We serve the God of love. Why don't you guys stand on your feet, and we're going to pray. 1 John four sixteen through 18, it says this. We know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Father, I thank you for your church. God, and I just thank you, God, that you overcame the powers of darkness. God, the powers of of of, um, of fear, God, the powers of, of anxiety, Lord God, the powers of depression, the powers of condemnation, Lord God. You overcame those, Lord God. You said, on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell, come what may, will not prevail against the church of the living God. 
And so, God, whatever your people here are dealing with today, God, I just declare, Lord God, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. The gates of the one who has their confidence secure on the Lord Jesus Christ will never be put to shame. We bless your children today, Lord God. We thank you for what you've done, Lord God. I just pray that we leave this place with a confidence, Lord Jesus, that you are um, leading us. And what, what we have, what we carry, Lord God, will go into the dark places and shine light and turn the world upside down. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.